there's no amount of money that could create an extraordinary life. It has nothing to do with the money. It has everything to do with you and what you value and what's important to you and how you make choices in retirement. And every choice you make is either going to take you towards happiness or the other direction of decay. And so if you understand that you're responsible for your outcomes and no choice making, then uh, I think that your next 20, 30 years are going to be extraordinary. Retirement. That's what we're all aiming at, right? But exactly what does that mean? It conjures up visions of endless days of golf, drinks with little umbrellas in them on a tropical beach, feet up reading a book. Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. Life would get pretty dull after a while without anything meaningful to do, don't you think? I'm Jackie Doucette, and I'm on a mission to discover exactly what life is like beyond retirement. Join me while I chat with people who've already done it, who've retired to something rather than from something. Let's find out together exactly what's waiting for us when we say goodbye to that nine to five. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today, I've got the pleasure of being joined by Kim Curtis. Kim is the best-selling author of Money Secrets and Retirement Secrets. She's also nationally recognized wealth management advisor and a speaker. She's been profiled in several publications, including the Wall Street Journal. And thanks for joining me today, Kim. Oh, thanks, Jackie. Thanks for having me. So before we get going into your advice for people who are heading into (laughs) retirement, Um, Can you share a little bit about yourself, how you ended up where you are today? Sure, happy to. I actually moved here from Buffalo, New York. That's where I grew up. So we talked about snow earlier. Man, did I live it. Um, And ended up in Denver because I went to law school out here and stayed. So my area of expertise is actually negotiation, mediation, and arbitration. And I was with a national dispute resolution firm headquartered in New York City, moved up in the organization and reported to the president out of New York uh, by the time I was 30. But the downside of that is that I no longer was doing settlement conferences or participating in the heart of the matter with disputants and clients. And so Um, I knew somebody that uh, was in human resources and I ended up in finance by taking a quiz. (laughs) And that quiz said that financial planning or finance would be something that I would be able to do uh, as part of my skill set. And, you know, after having such success in my earlier 20s, so to speak, um, I thought, oh, that would be a piece of cake. I can knock that out of the park. Well, then five to seven years came along and I'm like, okay, maybe seven to 10, I'll be able to knock it out of the park. And I'll I'll tell you, money is a difficult topic. And even with my negotiation background, to be able able to hold the container for couples, having those difficult conversations around money and what's next, uh, even with my skill set, it is still a very difficult area to pursue. And that was over 30 years ago that I made that switch. So here I am. Wow. So... (laughs) That is a big switch. And mm-hmm. I think I've done some of those quizzes too that they'll tell you where <laughs> you should be pointing. I laughed at them. I didn't want to be a dentist or an accountant. <laughs> wow. That's a big difference between the two. <laughs> yep. So what what uh, spurred you on to write your two books and specifically retirement secrets? Yeah. Yes. 
Thank you for asking that. Money Secrets, Keys to Smart Investing. One, I love that book. It's an easy read, about 120 pages, and it pulls back the curtain on the financial services industry to reveal why smart people make bad investment mistakes. And it won four book awards. And at the end of each chapter are questions that you should ask yourself or your advisor, if you have one, should be asking you. So it basically gives you armor to protect yourself as you go and interview if you are looking for financial advisory firms of how to be in control in that process. And I wrote that book because I felt like there were a lot of myths out there in the financial services industry, and I wanted to expose them. And so that's why I really love that book. Um, Retirement secrets that we want to talk about today, Jackie, is I had three different clients in a period of a couple months say, Kim, is there a book that when we retire that we could kind of read that would help us figure out how to live in retirement? And it would all happen like no one had asked me that before. And I got three requests in a matter of a short amount of time. So, of course, being a researcher data girl that I am, went back and read a lot of different books out there in the marketplace, which I'm sure you have too. And I realized that there were hardly any of them that really met what the needs of what my specific client was looking for. But there was one book that I really enjoyed, but it was written terribly. And so I took the idea of that book and took it to a, a lot different steps beyond it to make it a book that, that allows you like you're save and save and save and save, and you finally step off for retirement. How do you then go from saving to living in? And I would say that's what Retirement Secrets is all about, is really a lifestyle book, not a money book. It does have a little bit of information in there on money, but it's generally lifestyle. And um, that's how the book got created. Nice. So one of the things um, I think you'll probably agree with, most people are scared to retire because they think they don't have enough money. So in the first chapter, one of the things you say is that retirement usually fails for non-financial reasons. Now, I know that's true from the things that I've been you know, seeing and living. Can you uh, talk to the listeners a little bit about what's going on there, why that happens? Many things. I don't know if you want me to address the, 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 the big D. Uh, um, there are several things, but, but let me just kind of concrete, put it concretely, and then we can kind of take it further if we want to. Um, the reason retirement fails more often than not is that we're not prepared for it emotionally. So we tend to think it's a financial decision, as you mentioned, Jackie, but it really is, who are you? And how are you going to show up? And what happens is because we slog it out, you know, or grind it out, or or even may have enjoyed our our working years, um, that we tend to, in the past, historically, not have spent time developing hobbies and skill sets, or to even know who we are. And that journey, for many, is the first time that they get a chance to do it. And for some, that's very very hard, and they may not want to. They may not want to go there. That's true. And, and that's it exactly, Kim. You, uh, you mentioned uh, the big D. And one of the things that you talk about in chapter two, actually, is different stages of retirement and, and what you can experience as you're going through. And you talk about five big Ds that people run into. And, um, and then the B. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I think the B is a big one. It's, it's scary mm-hmm. for everyone because 
I know that's what I hear is I can't retire. My job is my life. What would I do? Mm -hmm. And I think there's, we've got to do a better job of recommending how to plan your life and how to step into retirement so that you're embracing it and not running away from it. Um, can you talk a little bit about how to avoid the, the D's of retirement that I know that you mentioned in your book? Yes. Well, and you know what? I think um, many people recently had a test drive with the pandemic and being okay. home uh, with your mate if you're married. So let me just, I, and I just pulled it up as you mentioned it so that we could address it. The five D's are depression, uh, kind of, um, it's not really what you thought it was. You've been waiting all this time and you realize that what you envisioned is not reality. The second is dependence. That's when you have a mate that you rely on for food or lunches or whatever, and you don't have your own friends. And so when you're dependent on somebody, um, who is not used to you being around um, could cause for uh, some concern. And the divorce is a third. And you think about the, they call it the gray divorce, um, that many couples in their 50s and 60s are separating. And it's fascinating how that has increased more recently in the last decade. And then the fourth is disability. We forget that we could get sick or hurt and how that could impact our ability. I mean, if we can't move, then think of the, the quality of life that and how that comes into play, not to mention health around disability. And then lastly, believe it or not, this is one of my favorites because it was mentioned a lot in the interviews that I did with existing clients and others is drunkenness. Happy hours, you know, the five o'clock all of a sudden starts after a golf game at two and then all of a sudden it's noon and you're having happy hour. And so uh, believe it or not, addiction and alcohol or other types of substances actually increase for many people in retirement because that big B, boredom, boredom. You know, I, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, going to a warm climate like your background and going to Florida or San Diego or any number of tropical places. And it's really idyllic when you first get there. But after a while, it doesn't change. The seasons don't change. The weather's the same. And you, and you start to get bored. And so boredom gets back to, if you don't have something that you love, back to your passion and doing things that, that make you happy or giving to others, uh, boredom comes in really, really fast. And oftentimes it's within the first six months that you hit it. That's how fast it hits you. And some of your listeners may go, yes, let me talk about boredom. We've experienced that. The first three months are great. It feels wonderful. You're sleeping in. No one's telling you what to do or when to get up. And then boom, boredom sets in. So that's the big B and the five Ds. And so talking about that, the uh, especially divorce, the one you were, that you mm -hmm. mentioned, I think it's it's interesting that it's increasing in recent years. Partly, I, I guess it's because the pandemic thumped it down on us all of a sudden, and a lot of people weren't, you know, prepared for all that togetherness. Mm -hmm. But I think <laughs> maybe it's it's got a lot to do with living longer and doing more things, and people are realizing that you know maybe they're not meant to be together anymore. They're they're not quite so equally or or. Uh, productively matched with their partner. And because so many people are living so much longer, 
there's more of the divorce because more of that is happening. Um, there's got to be a way to fix, you know, not fix, but to um, ameliorate or, or lower the, the risk of that happening. Um, maybe in, in terms of sharing with people different hobbies and the things that brought them together in the first place, drawing them back to that. I, you know, I don't know. We have a, we actually in, in the book, I have a chat, not a chapter, but a couple of assessments on couples, couples readiness and uh, conversations that you should have with your mate before you step off so that you end up getting on the same page. Cause what happens is a lot of, uh, there may have been someone that stayed at home and took care of the family and raised the family. And so what happens is all of a sudden, and this is kind of traditional thinking of traditional retirement age, not because there's all kinds of different early retirements for uh, people in their thirties or forties. Um, but traditionally what happens is that the mate who's been home has a different vision of what they think retirement looks like. And they also have a community more often than not around them of girlfriends or people or book clubs or things that they are involved in or active at their church. So, and yet their mate who's worked or traveled all the time doesn't really have that community. And so that person wants to go off and buy an RV and travel the world or find out where their perfect retirement place is going to be. And she's like, what are you talking about? These are the people I love and my family lives here. And so I think that kind of starts some of the disconnect of why um, the graying divorce kind of occurs is because by the time they get to that time, let's say 60s, they may have very different ideas of what's important to them and choose not to bend to make it happen. And that I think is the key is to choose not to bend. Mm -hmm. If they're not, you know, maybe, maybe you're willing to listen, but you just kind of say, yep, well, sorry. And right. That's why having those conversations, difficult conversations for couples as to what's important to you, because you don't have to hang out together the whole time in retirement. You kind of mm -hmm. want your activities, their activities and joint activities. And how do you figure out what they are? And then negotiate that because it really comes back to communication. If we don't articulate what we need, I'm not leaving because my family lives here. My mother is aging and I'm not going to leave her until, you know, she's not here anymore. Uh, those are difficult conversations, but I think they're important to articulate what your needs are. Because as women, if we're going to do gender norms, if you don't articulate, it's going to happen you're going to get that RV and you're not going to be happy because you're cooking the lunch in that RV and doing extra work as you travel around. That's not very much fun. And you're away from the people you care about. <laughs> Puts a whole new uh, light on retirement, doesn't it? <laughs> in retirement secrets, there are many, many, many stories of people that have experienced different types of things. There is a story similar to that one in retirement secrets, but um it's it's course it's trial and error trial and error course correct course correct course correct course correct to find out that ideal life and perfect calendar for the couple. And you talked about about uh, couples quizzes. You also offer a, a little quiz, just a retirement readiness quiz. Can you talk a little bit about how it sort of gauges whether you're ready or not? Yeah, <laughs> actually, that, is that the one on activity levels and being able to then all the map, the retirement mapping. So 
there's there's so many good things in here. And I so appreciate you saying that, Jackie, because there's a section in here on activities for retirement mapping. And there are over 500 different activities that you can go through, cross off and highlight one to four as to how important that is to you or not. And you can do it. And if you have a mate, your mate can do it. And then you can come together to kind of negotiate what are these things and come up with a game plan. But specifically on readiness, what Jackie is kind of talking about is how active you are. And the activity level determines your level of, do you go, are you the one that hangs on a beach and sits in a chair and reads? Or are you the one that is, is you know, water skiing? And that level of activity makes a huge difference because some people just like to travel and hang out and relax. And other people like to go to cities and be active the whole time going and visiting all these different places uh, in the city. And so understanding your activity level helps then determine the appropriate place or types of activities that may meet each other's needs. And I think there's a story in there where I talk about uh, the husband, he was a lawyer and loved antique vehicles and refurbishing them. And he loved on weekends to go to these antique shows and hang out with these guys that have a similar interest. And that was the last thing she wanted to do, the very last thing she wanted to do. And so they had to negotiate kind of when would she join him on these weekend hanging out, looking at old vehicles, and when would she not? Um and again, that's all part of having a voice and making sure that you you feel heard and you accommodate each other. In addition to the um, the activities, the uh, the uh, uh, amount of energy that you expend in your mm-hmm. activities, you talk a little bit about um, different life type or different retirement lifestyles. Um, whether you're uh, focusing on connecting with other people or whether you're focusing on, you know, the travel and the hobbies, Mm -hmm. um, whether work is going to be part of it or not, whether it needs to be that sort of thing. And I think it's really important um, to talk with, well, I guess you would talk with your clients, but to talk with people who are um, maybe thinking about retirement in terms of the golfing and the and the you know sitting on the beach with the drinks and the umbrellas <laughs> what's going to come next when that six months is up and the boredom hits mm-hmm. you know, how do you want to how do you want to play out the next 20 years because most people think retirement think of retirement as the end and it doesn't need to be like you talk about you know working part-time or an encore career there's so mm-hmm. many different parts of retirement that make it different now you know, I, I had to, uh, because I'm not retired, I had to do a lot and a lot of research. Of course, I, I have access to our clients who have stepped off. That was my laboratory. Um, and to interview those who seem to do it well. But in that laboratory, I, um, let me explain, Jackie, kind of what our process looks like to help people kind of get to that place of thinking bigger beyond the mm-hmm. money, how we started out this podcast. So if you think of a pyramid, a triangle and, or, or you think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And at the bottom is, is food, clothing, shelter. And at the top is self-actualization. Well, clients that come to our firm, if you have that same pyramid, there are four steps inside of that pyramid. And the first one is they come to our firm for managing money. That's usually why you go to a firm like mine. And then the second piece of that, as you work your way up is the financial planning goal achievement. And usually they come to us because they're getting ready to step off and they want to know, is it doable? And they don't feel confident about whether they, that it is. 
you need the two together. You need the, the assets and the planning together because otherwise portfolio construction is like um, archery without a bullseye. You have no, and especially now with the randomness of, and the volatility of the capital markets, you have no idea when you see your portfolio down 15%, 20%, maybe even higher for some, that you don't know what that really means as it relates to your retirement. So you have to put it to a financial plan. And the, let's hypothetically say your plan says 6,000 a month net all the way through life expectancy in your 90s. Well, say during the Great Recession, when people's portfolios may have gone down 35%, what does that really mean to you? Well, for us, it meant instead of 6,000 a month, it was 5,900 a month. Can you handle that? A hundred a month, yes. And that really only lasted for like maybe 18 months. And then it worked its way back up again. So when you understand for you what that means, all of a sudden you take all that anxiety off the table. And when you take that off the table, that next third step on that pyramid is lifestyle. Money is frenetic generally, and a financial advisory firm's job is to put it down here as your foundation so that you could then do the hobbies, the golf, the metaphorically, as we say, when we think of golf, but do the things that you love that you've never had the time to do before. And when you have that space to breathe, that peace of mind to know, okay, lifestyle, what do I want to do? How do I want to show up? The pinnacle of that pyramid is impact. Think about that, to be able to, like, who are you? Why are you here? What difference do you want to make in the world? What are your unique gifts that you finally have the time to do if you haven't had a chance to do it earlier? And that is why I'm here and why I exist and what I do and what our firm does, because that is the holy grail as it relates to how we show up and what is that last 20, 30 years going to look like. And what it came back to is what most of us need to do is to help others. There has to be something bigger than us to make a difference in the world, to make us feel like we're here for a reason. And that was the real unfolding in my research is that, is there has to be something bigger than you to keep you motivated. And that's it, that's a, your purpose. And people, when you when you say that to, you know, the ordinary Joe on the street, he goes, what do you mean my purpose? And because people aren't used to thinking about why am I here and what can I do? And, but if they sit down and take a moment and just kind of say, how do I want someone to remember me? That's your purpose. And, mm. it, and it's, it's not that hard, really. That gets back to Stephen Covey back in the day in his book, uh, how he talks about begin with the end in mind. And that is write your obituary. Yep, exactly. And is it really what you want? to be said, or are there some things you want to change and make it different? There's a whole chapter in Retirement Secrets that talks and asks questions to help you find out your purpose and what comes naturally to you and what is your superpower. I, uh, I actually, I, I wrote down some of those questions because, you know, they, they're things that make you think. It's like, you know, what, what would make me happy what did I like to do from my childhood? You know, those kind of things. And, and that's what I ask people when they come to me and they say, you know, what am I going to do? I say, well, you know, when you were 10 years old and you ran outside to play, what did you want to do? You know, step back. Sure, it's a, it's a 10-year-old dream, but you can, you know, extrapolate that a little bit. It's still 
you know, what you wanted. And that's, you know, that's where we, we fall down. I think as a society, we, we forget about the childhood dreams as we go through life and we push it aside as, as trivial, but it's not. You know, I love Jackie that you say that because I had a client who for him, when he was 10, loved trains and during the holidays, putting that train underneath the tree and that brought back huge memories. But instead of that little H scale, he brought the G scale trains, (laughs) cars, and, and actually created a village in this botanic gardens and then also volunteers at a train restoration kind of museum here in the state. And he's totally in alignment. He is like thrilled. And that's just one example of many as a 10 year old dream turning into uh, something later in life. And I think that's that's fabulous. That's the kind of stuff we need to remember and and kind of play on as we as we step off, you know, into the next part of our life. So um, one of the other things, just to go back to the book for a second, you talk sure. about you, you, you read or you mentioned reading um, younger next year. Uh, I really oh, enjoyed yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the authors talk about um, the majority of aging up to 70 percent of it being voluntary and I, I liked that kind of mental picture that it gave. It's like, I'm going to sit down in my chair and I'm just going to age. <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> nobody's going to say that, but it's what we do when we mm-hmm. stop paying attention. And, and I like what you said is, you know, make exercise your next work, make, make mm-hmm. that part of your life. I, I think that's really important. Um, getting up and doing something every day. And it's, it's not, something a lot of people think about, especially as they retire, is getting up and going out. But I think if we all just went out for that walk every day, that would be a start. Yeah, I would think that science has advanced so much in the last two decades, particularly the last decade, as to what we know about our health. And the number one thing in that chapter on health is your new job is to work out, is, is, is you know, that's your next new job. And to put that top of your list as to how you do it, whether it's walking initially, ultimately body weights, cardio, uh, all the things that allow you to not age prematurely. And that's the way to keep aging at bay and allow your muscles to support your skin instead of just being saggy on our bones. And to have our core muscle to be strong so that when it's icy outside, we're less likely to slip or fall and fracture our wrist or something. So for all of you listeners, as much as that sounds terrible, think of it as this huge empowerment of building up your strength so that you have more choices later. But yes, that is the major point of that from Younger Next Year is your number one job after retirement. Then you did it for work. Now do it for you and your body that allows you the different choices later is to work out at least five or six days a week. And, and like you said, that it's so important that you are working out. I mean, you start off with a nice walk if you haven't been doing anything, but you've got to, you know, make your body work hard. You've got to be doing something that's beneficial, not just a casual stroll in the garden. Right. And by getting your heart rate up, it's cleansing out the gunk inside your system to flush out. And the only way that you can do that is by getting that heart rate up to a level Uh, to flush out. So which is cardio and weightlifting is to make sure that you have strength, particularly core muscle. So Kim, 
what would you like to say to the listeners? Um, what's the best piece of advice you can give them about preparing for retirement and getting ready for the next stage? Oh, thank you. I, I would have to say that in the nature of my work, surprisingly, I'm going to say this, but there's no amount of money that could create an extraordinary life. And in my work, it's, there's no amount of rate of return that can create an extraordinary life, but it really comes down to money. Um, it has nothing to do with the money. It has everything to do with you and what you value and what's important to you and how you make choices in retirement. And every choice you make is either going to take you towards happiness or the other direction of decay. And so to, if you understand that you're responsible for your outcomes and no choice making, then uh, I think that your next 20, 30 years are going to be extraordinary. Fabulous. That's great advice. And I think a lot of people don't really realize how responsible they are for their outcome. Thank you very much for joining me today, Kim. I've really enjoyed it. And I'm going to recommend to everybody that they go out and get your books, because I think that they are a wealth of information for anybody who's uh, willing to pick it up and read it. Well, I appreciate that. And you know what we could do, Jackie, as a free gift is there is a workbook that we put together for Retirement Secrets that's over 92 plus pages that I will give uh, you the link uh, that you can put in the show notes for listeners to be able to go grab that free workbook, Retirement Secrets workbook. So you don't have to mess up the book that you could mess up the workbook and it has additional things in there as well that's not in Retirement Secrets book. Oh, fabulous. Thank you so much. I'm sure that everyone will uh, rush, rush out and grab that. And I do have one more thing to say, if I may. Sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we did with Retirement Secrets is it's called Happiness Doesn't Retire. And it's, it's you know, like the happiness doesn't retire. Oh, nice. And if you go to Instagram, what people do is they take a picture of doing what they love or what brings them joy with this sticker and it's like a whole slew of people living their ideal life in perfect calendars. And it could be with their grandchildren. It could be a food, like what's in front of them that they're eating that day. But uh, I hope that your listeners go to happiness doesn't retire. Um, and if they wanted to pick up these stickers, but generally it's just a great way to feel great about your day. Oh, fabulous. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for letting me. All right. And that's it for this episode of Beyond Retirement. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed it. To check out the video interviews, please go to my YouTube channel at bit.ly forward slash beyond retirement. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash beyond retirement. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes.